0: Good morning, Cicero fam. How are we doing? Right on. Somebody's bracket is not doing as bad as mine. They're pretty excited. Uh, Yeah, mine's busted a long time ago. So uh, really excited to have Amber Hawkins, our children's pastor, with us here uh, to help walk us through some things that that we can do to enrich our prayer lives. We've been in this series called A Day in the Life of a Normal Christian for a few weeks now. And our goal in this series is to just make sure we understand the definition of terms like Christian and disciple and Jesus-centered living, uh, because I think it's easy for us to separate those out and to think that that being a Christian really is just about... I go to church sometimes, and I think I'm going to go to heaven when I die, and that's pretty much the end of it for me. I try not to be an awful person. Um, But a disciple maybe feels a little different, and maybe maybe you think you're a Christian, but you're not sure you're a disciple. And and Jesus-centered living feels different even beyond that. It's the idea that everything I do in life comes from this conviction that Jesus is Lord and my desire to live for him. But In reality, the way Jesus talks about following him and the way that the the, the New Testament church really lived that out, there's no difference between a Christian and a disciple and and Jesus-centered living, it's really all the same. And we wanna reclaim that definition of the word Christian because I think all of us have seen people in public, online, or in, in politics or something, do something wearing the name of Christ that made us cringe. Have you had that experience? And so we kind of go, I think they're defining Christian differently from me. And so we, we need to reclaim the definition of what it means to be a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. It's all the same. So what's normal for a Christian? The first uh, two normal practices of Christian life that we've talked about were not really obvious. We talked about and the first week that Jesus chose a slower pace of life. So we talked about walking, just the habit of walking to choose a slower pace of life is uh, something that should be normal for Christians. And that's not totally obvious. The next week, uh, we talked about meeting strangers, that Jesus intentionally engaged with, with complete strangers and people from all different class systems and ethnicities, and he just, he just engaged with strangers all the time. And that should be normal for Christians, but it may not be obvious. Today, we're gonna talk about something that's obvious. If I were to ask you, what are, what are the practices of a normal Christian, this would you'd, you'd name this in the top one or two or three, probably. And that's prayer. We're gonna talk about that. Christians pray. We pray regularly. Paul told the church in Thessalonica to pray continually. This is the foundation of our lives as followers of Jesus, because it reminds us that uh, this world is not all about the here and now and what we can see and taste and touch, that there is a spiritual reality, the kingdom of God, that prayer just reminds us, it reconnects us to the kingdom constantly. The trouble for most of us is we know that normal Christians should pray, but every time somebody mentions it, we feel a little guilty because we feel like, well, I don't pray enough. I don't pray often enough, or I don't don't know that I'm praying correctly. I don't know if, if God's really listening because I don't know if I'm saying it right. And I think we sort of overcomplicate prayer in some ways that holds us back. And and friends, I'll tell you, that's the enemy working. The enemy doesn't want you to pray and will put all kinds of thoughts and reasons in your head not to pray or guilt or shame to make you feel bad for not praying. But what what God wants is just for you to talk to him. And uh, it's normal, it's common for us to feel like we don't know what we're doing because it feels like a really big thing that we're doing when we talk about prayer. And what we wanna to do today is just normalize it, especially for children. That's what Amber's gonna help us do here in a little bit because this foundation, this learning to pray starts, starts when we're young. Uh, even the disciples who followed Jesus on a daily basis and grew up in a very religious culture, they prayed all the time. When they saw Jesus pray, they noticed something different. So they, they go to him in what must've been a moment of real humility for these guys who grew up in the Jewish culture, and they have to go to Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and say, Hey, would you teach us to pray like you because you you just do it different? and it makes us feel like we don't know what we're doing. So <laughs> Jesus said, "Sure." And so in Matthew chapter 6, he walks through first of all, he walks through some don'ts for prayer. Don't don't do this. And he says, "Don't don't pray in in a public sense that you want everybody to look at you. That, that, that's not the point of prayers for people to to think how spiritual you are." So so don't do it publicly in a way that draws attention to yourself. But he also said, "Don't just don't just babble. Don't just go on and on and on about what you want and what you need." And he says something that should should grab our attention. He says, for your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. And I think that makes most of us kind of go, well, then what are we doing? Why, Why do we need to pray if God already knows what we need before we ask? And so Jesus fills in the gap for us. He answers the question when he says, here's how you should pray. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is holy and and above us, but also we get to call him father. And those two things shouldn't go together, but Jesus says we can put those things together. So God is holy and he's our father. And then then he says, you should say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, this connection between me and you is not about me getting what I want. It's about you getting what you want. It's not about building my kingdom and making my life better. It's about you and what you wanna see happen in me and in the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So that's just a good place to start. If you've ever felt like, I don't really know how to pray, I don't feel like I'm doing it right, then just start with the Lord's prayer and let that be uh, something that leads and guides you. That's why Jesus said it and it got written down for us and preserved for centuries uh, so that we would have a starting place. But it's really important that we, we learn to do this when we're young. If you didn't learn it when you're young, it feels like it's, you feel like you're behind. So we really need to focus on teaching our children what it looks like to interact and connect with God. So that's what Amber's going to do for us today is, is teach us that. We're going to learn something probably brand new to most of us and uh, really open up our, our eyes to what prayer can really be and how we can embed it into the hearts of our children that we want to see grow up um, with Jesus-centered lives. But first, Amber, I would like for you just to kind of help us uh, understand a big picture of what it is that you do. We know that our children's ministry is awesome, and it's happening back there all the time, but we don't know exactly what you do. So um, can you tell us just the basic principles of what your children's ministry is all about?
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks for the compliment, even though you don't really know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, So, we have three basic truths that we want every kid to know by the time they leave our ministry. The first one is that I can trust God no matter what. The second one is that I can make the wise choice. And the third one is that I can treat others the way that I want to be treated. So, by the time they leave in fifth grade, they should have that pretty and embedded. And obviously, we put that through a scripture filter, right? And we use Bible stories to reinforce those, but we want them to walk away with those three truths or those three truths.
0: Awesome. it's a good foundation. I know also it's really important to you uh, to connect with parents as a children's ministry and and partner together and and, and really help parents see our responsibility to disciple our kids. So how do you see that partnership with parents and children's ministry working?
1: Of course. Um, If if we're going to be successful and really develop a deep sense of faith for our kids, we have got to work together. Our vision as a church is to create a community of greater love through thriving relationships and healthy parenting our volunteers model healthy thriving relationships they show up and they're present and they're personal with the kids that's something that we say every week uh, that you should be present and personal so that means that when we walk into that space we put our mental to-do list away Anything else that could be clouding our our heart or our mind and we set it aside so that we can be present with the kids and that makes a huge impact and helps foster healthy relationships. Our goal as a ministry is to inspire healthy parenting, is to equip you as parents to lead your children on their spiritual formation journey. The time that we have with the kids is important and it is precious, but it pales in comparison to the influence of a parent, even if you don't really consider yourself a good parent, you still have way more influence than, than what you realize. So when we can combine those two things, uh, it just makes it unstoppable.
0: Awesome. Uh, so you're saying that, that we as parents are responsible for the spiritual formation of our kids which I, I think kind of most of us would go, that sounds like a heavy responsibility. I mean, I thought I was just supposed to keep them alive and feed them and try to keep them from being delinquents, right? But spiritual formation sounds like, I don't know if I'm qualified for that. So what, what, are, some, what are some steps? What's, what's kind of an easy on-ramp to spiritual formation for our kids.
1: Definitely, I mean, I I totally understand that as a parent, you know, you're you're just surrounded by things and people that want to tell you what's best for your child. And then it can just be overwhelming trying to actually figure all of that out. Um, But when it comes to spiritual formation, I think it's important to remember that we can't give away what we don't possess. So if we want our children to have a deep appreciation of God, then we have to have a deep appreciation of God. So what does your daily life look like and how is it impacted by your love of Jesus? Even, even in those moments where you're not quite the parent you wish you were, right? When you lose your temper or you say something hurtful or something just doesn't work out the way that you want it to, how you handle that moment is important. It's important for our kids to see our humanity but to know that we have a deep love of the Father.
0: Great, that's, that's good. I know. For myself, I've thought about this. If I want my kids to read scripture, they need to see me reading scripture. If I want them to pray, they need to see me praying. So, what are what are just a couple basic practices that we can, you know, implement maybe even today uh, to get started uh, that can have a big impact?
1: Definitely. Um, the the first one is just to have conversations. Uh, it, it can be kind of easy to to show up in this building. Everybody kind of goes their their separate ways, and and that's kind of it. But build in time every day for you guys to talk spiritually about what's going on in your life. Share what God is doing in your life, things that you're questioning or wondering about. And help encourage them to do do the same thing. When you start opening the door for those conversations, it's amazing what what God can do, especially when the Holy Spirit intercedes. And uh, those conversations just grow. It's really beautiful. Um, Another thing I would recommend is imaginative prayer, um, which is new. (laughs) Uh, New to me, new to a a lot of people. um, But what imaginative prayer is, is a way of imagining yourself in the Bible stories with Jesus as a prayer. So it's it's deeper than just pretending. We're, we're not just going to close our eyes and, and play cops and robbers or, or something like that. Um, but we are going to engage our imagination um, in a way that allows God to speak to us creatively. And, and that's something that most people haven't tapped into in, in a while, right? Like as an adult, it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> I, that, I don't know that that's, that that's for me. Um, but it, it is. The, the idea is that it allows you to experience God and all that God has for us. And we definitely want to teach our children that right? We want them to know more than just knowledge. It's, it's good to know about the Bible. It's good to know about God. We want that knowledge. But it's not the only thing. We need to teach them to experience that. And that starts with us too.
0: Yeah, I think um, I remember having an imagination when I was a kid, <laughs> and and you know you, you kind of role play and you play games and run through the woods. The lone, you know, I was the Lone Ranger or Robin Hood or something. I'm sure that probably dates me a little bit, but um, but as an adult, I don't feel like I engage my imagination. I, I, I may not be the most playful person you could ask my kids, but don't. Um, so if if that's the kind of person I am, for example. Uh, is this something I can still do? Can I still tap into this somehow?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you're not a Playful person, um, that's that's okay. Uh, we we use our imagination more than what we think. We probably just want to say that it's our imagination. Uh, daydreaming is a very real thing. If you have a vacation coming up, what are you thinking about every weekday at like three o'clock when you're just like I just want to nap? <laughs> you're thinking about that vacation and picturing yourself on a beach or at your favorite restaurant, whatever it is that you you like to do. If if you're struggling financially, the lottery might be looking real good. And that might be like, oh man, if I, just, if I could win the lottery, then maybe I would be okay, and I would be able to do what, what I need to do and, and stuff like that. Our imagination really kicks in with worry. What our imagination can do with, with worry and anxiety is just unreal, and we can create these whole scenarios in our minds with our imagination. So if, if you're not a playful person, or it's been a while since you've tapped into that, that's okay. It's a muscle you haven't flexed in a while. So the more you start flexing it, the more comfortable you get. You know, don't get too in your head. And the the big thing is just to remember that the Holy Spirit's gonna do the heavy lifting. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be seamless. It's gonna be a little clunky the first few times you do it, and that's okay. The idea is to embrace God in a new way and see what he can do speaking to you like that.
0: Okay, Uh, a couple more questions that I think I feel, maybe other people will feel as well. First of all, imaginative prayer sounds like something that takes more than 60 seconds. You know, we're used to sort of like, all right, let's pray real quick. We've got a crisis or we're gonna, we're all hungry and we want to eat, so let's give thanks for the meal. And and we move on. This sounds like it takes longer. So how, how do I build this in if we have a busy schedule? And the second thing is, what if I don't have children in my home? Is this just for children or is there, you know, can I do this if I was a grandparent or just... As an adult, is this something that still makes sense and can have impact?
1: Definitely. Um, the the first thing I would say about you know having time um, is to really evaluate your schedule. Like actually, really do it. Like we're just in a habit as a society to be like, oh well, I'm busy. Oh, how are you? Oh, well, I'm busy. You know, like it's just kind of in our DNA. Um, so actually, stop and look at your schedule and see if there's something that you can take out and put in just 30 minutes of time. You know, things like this take time and that's okay because all good things take time, right? When you try to rush something good, it just doesn't work out as well. So find some time and carve out just 30 minutes of conversation to be able to do this type of prayer or have spiritual conversations in some capacity. If you can do that at the beginning of the week, you get bonus points. (laughs) Because then that's something for you to talk about every day with your child or with the people around you. And so if you're focusing on how God loves us, then you can engage with them in that conversation every day. Whether you're going to school or you're getting ready to sit down for a meal, bedtime, whenever you kind of naturally have time as a family, I think you could build it in a little bit more than what you might think initially. Um, As far as whether or not this is just for children, by all means, it is not. Uh, this is for everybody. You know, Obviously, this is a sweet spot for kids. You, know, you could give them like a pool noodle and set them loose and they're in like five different worlds, right? <laughs> you know, it's just something that they do naturally. Um, and, and we don't have it quite as naturally as adults, but that's something that we can still tap into. So if you don't have kids in your home, if you've got students that are in middle school or high school, this is still something you guys can do. Or if you live alone, this is a way for us to experience God. Remember, we don't want to get so heavy on knowledge that we forget to experience the love of our Savior. And you can do that with just you and the Father. And so just setting aside some time just for you to encounter Scripture and God in this way, I believe will be impactful for you.
0: Great. Uh, so I'm convinced that we, we should do it, um, but I'm not sure how. So could you take some time? Now, I know this is new for all of us, but I've heard you talk about this. This is not new for Christians. Like this is something that's been a part of Christian tradition and history for centuries, really. It's just kind of new for us. But since it's new for us, could you show us how to do that? Could you walk us through it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So I would love to lead you guys through an imaginative prayer. Um, And I'm just going to level with you guys. It's going to get awkward. (laughs) Okay, there's just going to be communal silence, and that is not great for some people. Um, But I believe um, that God is going to move in a really cool way. So what I would like you guys to do is just get comfortable in your seat and just close your eyes. We're gonna take three deep breaths together. God, I pray that you will release our imagination and help us to hear you speak to us during this time together. We open our hands to you. We open our ears to you. Come Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine that you are a crippled beggar on the side of the road. You have an old tattered mat that you lay on each day as you rely on the pity of strangers that pass by. You hear people talk and laugh as they walk by, assuming that they do not see your need. You lie there day after day, feeling the grit of dust on your teeth. What do you notice around you? Is it other people in need? The hustle of the nearby marketplace? What do you smell? Now imagine with me that you are lying there and some friends of yours come and pick you up. They've brought something like a stretcher to carry you on. They are taking you to a house down the street because someone said that Jesus is there. Your friends carry you all the way to the house down the street they're going to ask Jesus to heal you. They think Jesus can just say the word and make it so you can walk again. What do you feel? Confusion? hope. You get to the house down the street only to see it is completely full and there is no room. You can't even squeeze through a window because there are so many people in the house listening to Jesus talk. I wonder what he is talking about. Imagine that you too are wondering what Jesus was talking about that had so many people listening so intently. What does it feel like for there to not be any room for you to get in and be healed by Jesus? Jesus. Your friends notice this house has a flat roof that can be walked on and a set of stairs leading up to it. Imagine that your friends decide to do something crazy. They pick up the stretcher you are resting on and begin to climb the stairs that go up to the roof. They set you down. You notice that the roof is made of mud and straw. Your friends begin digging into the roof with their bare hands. Little bits of the roof begin to crumble, and you can see a small hole beginning to form. Now, your friends are getting all the attention. Everyone is staring up at the roof from inside the house. Some men down below start yelling up at your friends. But your friends don't stop digging. Suddenly, your friends walk over to you and put a rope around your waist. They are going to lower you down right through the hall next to where Jesus is standing. Imagine that everyone in the room down below is looking at you as you are lowered down. How do you feel knowing that everyone's eyes are on you? Imagine now that you are right next to Jesus and he looks directly at you. He bends down and grabs your hand. How do you feel now that Jesus is looking at you? What expression is on his face? He says to you, get up and walk. You stand up and slowly take a step with wobbly knees. Your friends are still on the roof, weeping as they watch you take step after step after step. Look at the people around you. They are amazed. Your life and their life will never be the same. The most important part of this story is that God loves so many things and that He loves you in particular. Father, we thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you for your truth and for your love. In your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. That was really cool. Uh, I've been through this a couple times now, and it's it's a little bit of a different experience each time. And uh, I just uh, really enjoy this kind of new way to, it's not just prayer, but engaging with Scripture too. So that's that's just a story out of Mark chapter 2. You guys can look that up and read through it. And um, you just led us through Scripture in a way that connected us with God uh, and putting Scripture and prayer together in a a really cool way. So um, I like that. I feel like I could do that. It might be difficult the first couple times, but like you said, I think it's something I could I could get used to and see myself doing with my family or even having, having my kids lead through uh, something like that uh, would be really cool. So this is what we're talking about, friends. Uh, it's opening our minds up, new ways of, of connecting with God, but especially embedding those in the hearts of our children. If we want them to grow up with this foundation of prayer, this foundation that there's more to the world than what we can see and taste and touch, there's a whole spiritual reality, the kingdom of God right next to us all the time, and prayer connects us to that and reminds us of that, um, we need to be building this into our, our kids. So our kids at all ages, but you you said that there's, there's some specific ages this is really like kids with their imaginations kind of on fire, this really works well with.
1: Yeah, uh, so this is, is geared towards kids that are in second grade all the way to eighth grade, but the sweet spot is about third to sixth grade. Uh, and that's just because at that age, they're fully engaged with their imagination. If you've got kids a little younger, or you've got kids that are older, you can still do stuff like this. You know, just start the conversation is is the main thing and kind of get your family in a rhythm of, of being in a space where this is something you guys can do together.
0: Great, yeah. Uh, if we're gonna be normal Christians, the kind of people that are, are disciples of Jesus, we, we have Jesus-centered lives, prayer has got to be foundational. It's gotta be a part of our daily lives, this connecting with God, This this following the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and and surrendering our will to His first and foremost um, has got to be a part of our lives. And so we need to teach this to our kids, and we need to practice this in ways that they can see. Because I believe God wants to work through us in ways that um, if if we're not rooted in prayer, I think we're going to miss opportunities. We're not going to be really up for some of the things that God wants to put in front of us. And so this, this foundation of prayer is just critical for us. So uh, I would just encourage you to find some ways to uh, engage in, in prayer more consistently. Uh, go back to Matthew chapter 6 and read through that again. Uh, try the imaginative prayers. Amber has given us some other examples of stories in Scripture that we can uh, use for that. You have those mm-hmm. uh, handy? Yeah,
1: they, they look like this throughout in the foyer. Um, so they're just a list of Bible stories that... Um, I think would really just kind of come alive with doing something like this. If you would like to learn how to do this with your children specifically, I have some videos on the church YouTube page. Um, One of myself leading uh, Maisie, a fourth grader, through an exercise like this, and then one of her mom doing it. So if you want to see what it looks like with a child, I would highly suggest checking that out.
0: Great. Right. Yeah, so find those resources. Give it a try. But in some way, engage in prayer today and make sure that it's a part of your life. On a re- this is just normal Christian life, folks. This is what we should be doing on a regular basis. So don't let the enemy get in there and convince you that you're not good at it and that you don't know what you're doing. Just do it. Just talk to God and uh, find ways to build that foundation uh, so that God can use us, really, to be a blessing. We live in a world man, that's desperate for the hope of Jesus. And where are they going to find that? It's got to be f- from followers of Christ, Uh, who are are salt and light to the world around us. So um, would you uh, stand with me? We're gonna close with a word of prayer and another song and um, think through this a little bit more. (laughs) Father, thank you again uh, for your word and for the opportunity to connect with you in prayer, uh, just for the power uh, of Jesus, who is our mediator and goes before us and paves the way so we can interact with the creator of the universe, uh, our heavenly Father. And God, I I thank you for this new experience today, and I pray that you would uh, just open our eyes up to new ways uh, to connect with you and experience you in our daily lives. And I pray that you would send us out here in a few minutes, you would send us out to be salt and light to a world that desperately needs the hope of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, Friends, thanks so much again for joining us today, and and we're just excited for for what God is doing in our church family and in our community. Easter is coming, so go ahead and start thinking about who you need to invite and uh, bring somebody who needs to experience the church celebrating the resurrection of Christ, the thing that makes all this possible. So be thinking about that. Uh, here in just a few minutes after we uh, sing this song, we're going to have some baptisms. So uh, be, be present and let's celebrate together as some young people are choosing to put Jesus right at the center of their lives and kind of uh, putting that stake in the ground uh, today. We're going to celebrate with them here in just a few minutes.